Dadlog, star date 05092018. Good morning, fam. I hope everyone is doing well. Not too many announcements. We are going to be, it's, uh, it's Wednesday, and we are going to be live tonight. Uh, I'm making up for the fact that I have to cancel my Saturday cast because we're going to be up north for Mother's Day. Uh, so we will be live tonight and tomorrow night, and then I'm going to be out of town for the weekend. So um wanted to get you another dad log. Um, this is actually going to be a follow on to one of my previous dad logs, which was our, our first kind of tech talk, right? Giving you a general overview of all of the different things that I use to bring together, uh, my streams, you know, on a, on a weekly basis. And so in this tech talk, I wanted to talk all about hardware. I didn't cover hardware in, um, <clears throat> I didn't cover hardware in my last tech talk because there's literally, I'm dedicating an entire episode to just hardware, right? Because there's a lot of hardware that goes into, like, once you start getting really serious about this, right? You don't have to start here, but this is going to be a hardware overview that kind of covers all of the hardware that I use. Um, once you start getting very serious about this and you move kind of past the console streaming side of things, uh, hardware is where you're headed, right? So I wanted to talk about hardware. Um, and there's a couple different, you know, there's a couple different aspects of getting a hardware set up that are important to consider when you're looking at this, right? Um, and it also depends on whether or not you're streaming console or whether you're streaming PC. So let me start with, uh, let me start with console versus PC, right? So just to give you an overview, uh, from a hardware standpoint, if you're streaming from console, you've got two options, right? One is to stream directly from the console. If you stream directly from the console, you're going to be very limited with the customization options that you've got. Now in tech talk three, I'm going to start talking about overlays, things like light stream, go light stream and, um, you know, theme libraries and stuff like that. Uh, I'm not going to cover that here, but from console, like console streaming is starting to, um, the ability to customize console streams is actually starting to get pretty good. So that that's an interesting space to be watching. Uh, and it's lowering the barrier to entry for folks that want to kind of step up their streaming without too much hardware investment, right? So that's console streaming. Now, PC streaming, um, if you're streaming PC games, right, there's, kind of, there's two different options that you've got from a PC streaming standpoint. One is to stream and play games from a single PC. Or alternatively, you can go with a dual PC setup. Now for console streamers, um, this is also an option, right? You could go with a dual PC setup because you can have a streaming PC and use a capture card to stream your console, which is technically considered the second PC, right? That's the setup that I run. Um, dual PC setups are um, kind of like the quote unquote top end, if you will because you can independently manage and monitor uh, your stream from the game you're playing and you don't have to worry about hard, uh, hardware constraints or anything along those lines. So that's kind of the difference between a, a single PC setup where you would stream and game from the same PC versus a dual stream setup or a streaming PC and a console setup. Um, so you'll, you'll hear those terms uh, You'll hear those terms thrown around by broadcasters, but I wanted to provide you with at least a brief explanation of what the difference is between a dual, C, a dual PC and a single PC setup. Now, if you have a <clears throat> dedicated streaming PC, and especially if you're a console um, player, 
you will probably have a dedicated streaming PC. That brings me to capture cards, right? There are a ton, a metric butt ton of capture cards on the market. Um, of those capture cards, the most well-known ones are going to be Elgato, um, Avermedia, uh, Hapog, um, and a little bit less known, but one that I know uh, Professor Broman has talked about is Majewell, right? And so those are kind of the four main ones. You're going to have off-brands. You're going to have uh, some of the different ones. But if you want a solid capture card in a decent price range, um, you can't really... You can't really go wrong with the Elgato or the Avermedia uh, um, solutions. I run a, a Elgato HD60 external cap card. Um, I went with the external cap card because the cost um, kind of reduced my barrier to entry from a, a console streaming standpoint. Uh, I think it runs around 150 bucks. You could find them on sale sometimes. You could find them used for less. Uh, the benefit to having an external um, cap card is that if you're on the go and you decide to cap from a laptop or something along those lines, you can disconnect the cap card and go. Right. So if you're if you're heading to if you're heading to a, a con where you're going to get you know exclusive access to uh, preloaded games and stuff like that, and you wanted to have your laptop there with a with a cap card, you could then do mobile capture. Uh, that's one of the benefits to to that. Um, Elgato also makes an internal PCI-based uh, cap card called the HD60 Pro that um, gives you like basically zero latency uh, streaming. Um, it, it's the fastest card that you can find. It's going to be the most integrated, but you're limited to uh, streaming from your PC uh, at that point, right? And you need to have a tower to be able to install it or somewhere where you can put a PCI-based, uh, PCI Express-based card. Um, so that covers capture cards. Like I said, I'm, I've used Elgato um, since I started streaming. I actually used Elgato when I was making YouTube videos. Um, I have not had many problems with it other than the Mac software support is a little lacking. Um, but I'm not familiar with Avermedia or Hapog or Majewell and what their, um, what their uh, Mac-based software support is. So I, I can't really speak to that. But those are your options for capture cards, right? External versus internal. And then if you stick with one of those brands, you're probably um, going to be uh, pretty good to go. Also, I think Razer just got into this entry with the Razer Ripsaw. Um, I'm not familiar with that one at all, but Razer branded peripherals are generally speaking um, pretty high quality peripherals. So uh, I just... And the back of my head, I hadn't written that one down, but I thought about it. And uh, the Razer Ripsaw, I've heard pretty good things about. Um, so keep your eye out for that as well. Uh, so that covers cap cards. Um, let's talk about microphones, right? So microphones, there's two different types. There's USB microphones, uh, which will pl plug directly into your streaming PC. And then there's XLR microphones like the one right there. Um, so USB microphones, uh, gold standards, um, the Audio-Technica 2020 and the 2035 come in both USB and XLR. Uh, those are pretty standard USB microphones. Uh, the Blue Yeti and the Blue Snowball are also highly recommended, um, USB-based microphones that are the ultimate in, um, ease of use. It's pretty much plug and play. However, to tune them, 
right? Or to get a, a very good sounding USB microphone, you're going to have to get into some software plugins like the Reaper VST plugins, uh, the, the suite of plugins that allow you to add software-based EQ, compression, um, gates, etc. And I'm not going to dive too much into that, but um, EQ, you can essentially tune how your voice is, how your voice sounds, whether it's um, higher or more trebly versus bass versus mid-range tones, etc. Um, but you have to do that all on the software side when you go with a USB microphone because the USB microphone plugs directly into the USB port on your computer. Um, the, the benefit of a USB microphone is that you can also be on the go on a laptop and still have uh, a pretty decent sound when you start looking at USB microphones. Um, when you move into kind of the upper range of microphones, that's when we start talking about XLR microphones, um, which are essentially, you have to have a special cable called an XLR cable. It's a three pin cable. Um, and in order for the microphone to actually be connected to the computer, you also need an audio interface. Right, So you're either going to need a USB-based mixing board or you're going to need an audio interface. So um, XLR microphones, they run the gamut from a cost standpoint, right? You can get the Audio-Technica 2020 in XLR format for a uh, hundred, I think it's a hundred bucks. The 2035, I think is 150 bucks, which are great kind of entry-level XLR microphones that are very, very high quality um, all the way to the... Uh, top end, you know, Electro Voice RE20, uh, which is like a $600 microphone. You see King Gathalian, you see Professor Broman, uh, Angry Iceberg, all of those folks use the RE20. Um, and then you've got some that fall in between, like the, uh, the one that I run is the uh, Rode NT1A. Um, it's a fantastic microphone. It's right around that $200 to $250 mark. Um, it's a great uh it it's a great microphone and with the right other hardware peripherals like um I run a hardware equalizer and a hardware compressor um with the right peripherals you can get a pretty darn decent sound um out of those mid-range microphones uh the Shure SM7B also um is a fantastic microphone uh and so there's there's the gamut of XLR microphones. I think with when it comes to buying XLR microphones, um, if you've got a guitar center or a, a music store nearby that allows you to actually test out the microphones, I kind of took a chance um, on the fact that the road just had really good reviews. Uh, I listened on YouTube to some different takes of what the road had to offer, uh, which is why I went with it. Plus, it was in my price range. So when you start looking at microphones, do your research, make sure that depending on what kind of voice you have, if you have a, a kind of a more trebly voice or a, a higher voice, um, you're going to look at different microphones compared to if you have a deep, bassy, booming voice. Um, th that's going to kind of depend uh, from a microphone standpoint. Which brings me microphone, you need an audio interface if you're using an XLR mic, right? So there's two different types of audio interfaces. One is going to be like a mixer board-based audio interface. The beauty of a mixer board um, is that you not only have volume control, but there's usually some limited equalization, which again, adjusts the uh, treble, mid-range, and um, bass tones of your voice. And so... Um, a board will, some boards come with uh, a built-in compressor, some boards don't. You get the mic preamp, 
um, which amplifies the microphone and allows you to not have to over turn the gain up so high that it distorts the microphone. Um, so that's kind of Behringer, Mackie. Those are kind of the standard issue mixing boards that you will come across on Amazon or at your local uh, music store um, that are going to be USB based that are going to plug into your computer and you're going to use those to control the volume and tone of your microphone. The other side of the audio interface world are um, kind of desktop audio interfaces. The Focusrite Scarlett um, is what I use. I use an 18i8. Um, they make a 2i2 uh, and a 6i6 that are all really, Focusrite is a top quality manufacturer of audio peripherals. They've been in the game for a very long time. They do rack mounted um, audio interfaces and uh they really are really are top of the line uh, i know personas um makes a few as well behringer also makes a rack mounted but i've not heard very good things about it and there are some other brands right but ultimately you're going to do your research so those are the two different types of audio interfaces one's going to be a mixing board based interface and the other is going to be um, more of your traditional rack mounted or desk uh desktop audio interface units. Uh, like I said, I use the Focusrite 18i8. It's something I've had for a while that I use to record, um, use to record music. Uh, and it works incredibly well for what I'm using. Um, just to give folks an idea of what I actually have from a hardware standpoint. So I've obviously got the Rode NT1 from a microphone standpoint. Um, I actually have a Focusrite dedicated preamp outside of my audio interface, which also has preamps in it. Um, it's a Focusrite Octo Pre LE, which is something that I bought um, when I was in the band and something that I am now using as part of my streaming setup. So that's the microphone preamp I have. Um, I've got the EMB uh, EB831 31 band EQ, which is two channels because I run two microphones. One's the Rode NT1. One is the, um, let's see if you can see it. One is the uh, Sennheiser MD421, which was originally used on my, uh, drums on my Tom Toms to, uh, mic those, but actually works really well as a guitar mic as well. Um, and everything that I've got is two channels. So I've got the EMB EB831 and the pro art, uh, the art pro VLA two tube compressor. Uh, and that is the, what comprises my audio setup. Cause I get questions on that, uh, quite frequently. Moving on to cameras, um, so there's there's two different types of cameras that you can use. One is going to be a, your kind of your standard webcam based camera, um, and then the other one is going to be camcorders like the Sony, the Canons, etc. Right? Um, for webcam based, the Logitech C920 and C922 um, are kind of your gold standards. They're you, the C920 runs around 60 bucks. The C922 runs around a hundred, um, 80 to a hundred, depending on sales and stuff like that. Those are both absolutely fantastic cameras. I run the C920, um, with some green cloth from <laughs> Hobby Lobby. That's how I get my green screen effect. Um, they're, they're really, really good. If you want to kind of step it up from a webcam standpoint, the Razer Kyo or Kyo, K-I-Y-O and the uh, Logitech Brio are both 4K based um, cameras. 
60 FPS. The Razer is an interesting one because it's actually got a built-in light ring around the camera itself, which is kind of nice. It's not going to eliminate your need for external lighting, but it'll give you a starting point um, from a lighting standpoint to really light yourself well and to um, for the camera to capture you well. And so, so the Logitech Brio and the Razer Kio um, are both kind of that step up from a webcam standpoint. Now, when you start getting into camcorders or DSLRs, um, you're going to need a special, uh, a special tool to convert that. Um, the Elgato Cam Link is uh, something that my understanding is something you will need in order to leverage an HDMI-based um, camera into your recording software, your your uh, OBS or your Streamlabs OBS, whatever the case might be, right? And so I, I have not done much research on the on the camcorder side of things, but um, obviously the a camcorder or DSLR is going to give you quality that is that can't even be. It's like going from a USB microphone to an XLR microphone, right? From a camera standpoint, moving from a, a webcam type solution to a camcorder type solution is going to absolutely be. Um, the next step up from a camera standpoint. Again, I haven't done a lot of research on it, but it's an option. Which brings me to lighting. There's a few different ways that you can tackle your lighting, okay? Um, when I first started broadcasting and first started with my green screen, I used lamps from Walmart. I did a DIY lighting solution with lamps from Walmart. I had one of the, one of the three light kind of tree lamps, if you will, um, and then I literally put a cardboard box over it with printer paper in front of it to diffuse the light <laughs> onto my green screen so that I had a nice kind of even lighting on my green screen, right? So there are ways that you can get around and do DIY lighting um, for cheap, right? You're looking at 20 bucks for the lamp, um, some decent bulbs in there. And, you know, if you've got two matching cardboard boxes with some printer paper, you can rig up <laughs> some DIY lighting, especially if you want to go with a green screen. Now, you don't have to go with a green screen either. There are a lot of folks um, that have actually moved back to um, non-green screen with kind of your overlay uh, box put in place, right? Um, if you do that, you don't have to worry about lighting as much. I would still recommend you have a decent um, focus light that's going to be for you, um, usually offset or somewhere near your camera. Um, I've got, I've actually got two kind of, uh, feature lights, if you will. One is, a, a Walmart lamp, um, that's right up, right up kind of to one side of my camera. And then I've got an LED panel, uh, based light that is actually a little bit further, um, to the other side of the camera that gives me some pretty good lighting. So, DIY lighting, Walmart lamps um, are totally possible. The next step up from that is going to be photography-based lighting. So you can find on Amazon, if you go on Amazon, there are um, umpteen uh, types of photography lights. You've got the big soft boxes. If you've got room for them, the soft boxes seem to be the way to go. Um, there's also the umbrella-based lights, which I... I shied away from the umbrella-based lights when I started looking and doing my research because um, realistically they're meant for kind of flashes um, and refracting that light off of an umbrella as opposed to being constant lighting, right? Instead of being used for constant lighting, which is where the light boxes come in. So you can look at photography lighting. I'll be honest, I got very lost in the photography lighting and 
Um, I actually was blessed enough to have a, uh, a friend of mine who does professional lighting. Um, he hooked me up with a very, very nice set of led panels, which is kind of that next tier up. So you've got DIY lighting, you've got photography lighting, and then you've got super professional lighting, right? You can get led, um, panels like mine are, I think 12 by 12, um, led panels. And I've got three of them two of them lighting my green screen, one of them lighting me from a feature standpoint. And then I've actually got like a six inch by two inch um, under light that keeps the shadows uh, from the top lighting from kind of, you know, ha casting shadows um, on my neckline and, and that type of stuff. So there's, there's really kind of three steps and they, they get more expensive in price. Right. Um, I was, uh, like I said, I was blessed enough to not have to pay for my lighting setup. Um, and it's a super professional led lighting setup. So those are the, those are the different levels of lighting. Um, you can get good results with any of them. As long as you take the time to tune your camera software to tune your lighting and to position your lighting appropriately. Um, it's, it's taken me months to figure out exactly how to set up the lights and to get them in a place that really makes for a high quality green screen experience, uh, for me. I got two things left. I know this is a pretty long dad log, but I appreciate y'all sticking with me. Um, two things left. Hardware, there's a lot of hardware to talk about um, when you start looking at options, right? Uh, so the last two things I want to talk about are monitors and peripherals. Um, monitors from a streaming PC setup, get the cheapest things that are going to work for you. 60 hertz. Um, I've got a couple 27-inch monitors that I got on Black Friday deals, the standard 60 hertz, 1080p um, monitors. I've got uh, some cheap uh, monitor mounting arms that mount to my desk, that clamp to my desk to hold up the monitors so that they're off my desk and I can put other stuff on my desk to kind of optimize my setup. But you know, your standard 60 hertz uh, cheap monitor is going to get the job done for you from a streaming PC setup. You don't need something super high performance. Um, you don't need something super special from the streaming standpoint because really you're just monitoring your um, you're monitoring your streaming software, your chat bot, your browser, um, you know, any of the software based stuff that runs your stream that can go on any monitor, right? Um, so that's kind of from a streaming standpoint, my take on it. Uh, when you start getting into 144 Hertz and 240 Hertz monitors for gaming specifically, <clears throat> I'll be honest with you. I'm too old for that stuff. Um, I, I am not at a competitive level where I would get the benefit out of a super responsive, um, 240 Hertz or 144 Hertz monitor. Uh, if you're, uh, kind of super into tech and you know want the best of the best go with the 144 or the 240 hertz monitors it'll do it for you um but again it's not a requirement uh it's more of a nice to have i play on a 24 inch hp you know five millisecond monitor um i but i'm not super competitive so it works for me uh, it's just a 60 Hertz standard, standard monitor. Someday I may upgrade, but I've got a lot of other priorities from a hardware standpoint that I would prioritize over upgrading my gaming monitor. Um, so totally up to you. If you have the money to burn, go for it. If you, if you're trying to do this on a budget, um, 
you know, if you're not super highly competitive and you're not playing competitive Overwatch or uh, whatever else, I would look into other options for for monitors uh, from a gaming standpoint. So last but not least, I'm going to talk a little bit about peripherals and extras. Um, so the top peripheral, and I've been touting it since I got it because it has changed my ability to deliver quality content. It's actually taken my quality level um, from kind of average to, I think, above average is the Elgato Stream Deck. Uh, now, recently, you might have noticed on Twitter that I posted, hey, don't upgrade your Windows 10 because it's going to break your Stream Deck. Um, Elgato, from a support standpoint, has been incredible. Elgato got back to me day of. I called in to support because I had a cast last night. My Stream Deck was working except for the account-based stuff. So the software um, has been a bit dicey from a Stream Deck standpoint, but the hardware has been absolutely on point. So if you are a content creator and are looking to kind of step up your content game, um, the Elgato Stream Deck is well worth the cost. I actually want to get a second one because I don't have enough buttons on it to be able to program everything that I want to be able to do and have one touch access to from a stream standpoint, especially being able to mute sources um, within my uh, audio. I had to put a folder in there to mute sources, to be able to move the volume up and down and do that type of stuff. But the Elgato Stream Deck's absolutely incredible. From a keyboard and mouse standpoint, unless you're PC gaming, um, I've got a 10-year-old uh, Razer keyboard uh, the Lycosa, Razer Lycosa that I have been using for 10 years um, that has treated me very well. It's not my streaming keyboard. I don't really have uh, anything special there. You can go with uh, any kind of brand. There's the Steel Series stuff. There's the Corsair stuff. There's the Razer stuff. They're all great peripherals. Um, from a mouse standpoint, I'm running, I'm running my 10-year-old Logitech G5, and I have not had any problems with, with that from a keyboard and mouse standpoint. So all great peripherals. Do your research. Figure out what works for you. Um, I think that about wraps it up for the hardware. That was a lot of hardware. Uh, I would encourage you, like I said, this is recorded. Um, I may on YouTube kind of try and segment out the main uh, points if I have time to do it. But if there's anything that you um, have questions on, feel free to leave them in the comments below. Uh, but that covers from a stream standpoint, a stream setup standpoint, most of the hardware-based um, components that you start to get into when you look at running your stream. Okay? Um, that's all I got for you. I appreciate the love and support. This was a much longer episode uh, than has been in the past. I've actually got a, a Tech Talk 3 that I will be talking about, like overlays, alert systems, audio, um, playlists, and stuff like that. Uh, so stay tuned for Tech Talk 3. I'm not sure when that will be, but I'm kind of fleshing out the everything that I want to cover there. But I appreciate the, all the love and support. Um, if you are on uh, Facebook, make sure you like and follow. And uh, leave a comment. YouTube, subscribe. Leave a comment. I would love to hear from you what you guys think of the uh, dad logs and this particular tech talk. Um, would love to hear from you. Uh, if you are on your favorite podcast platform, would appreciate a rating. And uh, make sure you subscribe if you're enjoying the content. And last but not least, we will be live over on Mixer.com slash game tonight at 10 p.m. Eastern. We'll see you there for some more Fortnite action. Appreciate the love. Appreciate the support. Everything that you guys do uh, for me. Appreciate you, fam.
Have a great Wednesday, and we'll see you soon. God bless.